Midnight Patrol. Detective Lieutenant Mike McBride glanced at his partner. What do you say, brat, old man? Shall we take this one? Definitely, replied Leroy, as he reached up to turn on the siren. Never pass up a chance to watch a good midnight arson fire. Mike checked his mirrors for traffic and expertly made a U-turn as traffic melted to the sides of the road. The voice continued to crackle over the emergency radio. Residential fire reported on MacArthur Boulevard, number 2522, nearest Cross Street, Bacon Avenue. Repeat, 2522 MacArthur Boulevard, engine number 99 is responding. Rescue and police, please respond. Help may be needed. Leroy keyed in the mic. Car 006 responding. We're on it, Martha. ETA, two minutes. Over. Perhaps we should hang around and see if he needs a hand. You know Pop. He never knows when to quit. Flames were leaping out of the second story as Mike and Leroy parked their beat-up Crown Victoria. They were the first ones on the scene, although others would arrive in minutes. Sirens wailed in the distance. Just then, the radio crackled to life. All cars, all cars. Accident at the corner of Pine and Broad Streets. Pine and Broad Streets. Car rolled over into a ravine. Car into a ravine. Please respond and check for injuries. Over. Leroy keyed in the radio. Car 006 responding. Car 006 responding. ETA, uh, seven minutes. ETA, seven minutes. Over. A harried-looking UPS driver, carrying his cell phone, pointed down the embankment. This way, officers. Mike saw a sedan lying upside down at the bottom of the ravine. Steam was rising from the bottom of the engine. Mike grabbed his crowbar and accident kit from the trunk. You stay here and get this fellow's story. Report into headquarters, order an ambulance, and set out some flares. I'll go down and check on the car. I can see two bodies, Leroy, Mike reported. Let me see if I can get a better look. They are both in the front seat, hanging upside down by their seat belts. I can see blood. The car is banged up on all sides and crushed in around the driver. The motor is turned off. Some fluid is leaking out. Could be gasoline. Let me see if I can wedge open a door. Only one side was exposed. Mike tried the door handles. They were both jammed. Mike took out his crowbar and began working on the door. I think it's two women, brat, reported Mike. I may be able to get this door open a bit. If not, I'll try to break out a back window. Ugh! Mike groaned as he heaved on the crowbar. He heard a siren approach and stop. The EMTs are here, reported Leroy. Should they bring stretchers? Just tell them to bring cutting equipment to get these women out of their seatbelts and administer first aid. Hurry! Mike was making some headway with the crowbar. The metal made an awful crunching sound as he bent it back. Mike had it open as much as six or eight inches when the first crew member arrived. Meanwhile, the men on the dock seemed to be observing out to sea. Mike could see nothing approaching the dock as yet. The flashlight seemed to blink in some secret code. 
and then it changed to a steady light. It began to move back and forth, reminding Mike of an airport ground crew guiding a plane to the gate. Mike sucked in his breath as a dark boat glided up to the dock. It's the cigarette boat, hissed Sam. The four men hurried to secure the lines. More men leaped down from the boat and fastened a gangplank in place. USCGC-111, the submarine has dived, stranding eight SEALs and an untold number of crew members. We are mounting a rescue attempt at the present time. Oh, dear God. Mike breathed a prayer for the SEALs and for the men on the ground right now, preparing to take on the smugglers. Mike watched as crew members began carrying cargo over the gangplank. Suddenly, chaos erupted. Mike saw flashes of gunfire. 